The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Fucking... Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I'm your host, JP Jopaz. With me today, very special guest, WWE Hall of Famers, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. We know them as the Sheep Herders, but of course, they are the Bushwhackers, Butch and Luke. Welcome to the two-man power trip. How are you guys doing? Whoa, good day, matey. It's good to be here, John. Wait, I'm doing great. How are you doing, Cousin Luke? 
Bloody love you to your mother. And how are you, John? It's good to see your face. But uh, it's not, I tell you what, mate, it's not lickable. You're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and of Don't course, and of course, John Crowther, the author of the Bushwhackers Blood, Sweat, and Cheers. John, how you doing? Welcome back. Very good. Thanks for having us back. You know, it's well, funny. Well, you know, we're officially making them. We're officially making them the third Bushwhacker. Yes, I like that. <laughs> By the way, funny. John, don't forget you signed the contract, and we've got control of you as an as a as a writer, an author. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I'm happy with that. No, I couldn't ask for two better partners, honestly. Butch, you mentioned licking. It's funny. I went to yeah. a show all the way back in 1990. I was in the second row. These women were in the first row, and they wanted you guys to lick their heads so bad. I mean, they were. I, I mean, I was uh, seven. They had to be in their 30s. They wanted you guys to lick their heads. So, Butch, that was my first one-on-one uh, -on -one interaction with Butchwhackers. You guys licking these women's head right in front of me. Yeah, it's unbelievable, mate. They, 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 they demanded you lift your head. Imagine now with this COVID going around. Jesus, we wouldn't have stood a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, 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 used, Luke used yeah. to lick his uh, hand, and that was a good trick. He would, he would make out he was licking their face, but if I, they, if they throw their head, lick the back he, of my his hand. Yeah, I did the real McCoy. I even uh, I even licked Vince uh, Vince McMahon and his wife and his kids and <laughs> and uh, who was the, um, no, the George best, Steinbrenner? I, I gave him a good lick. The best yeah. one was when he licked uh, Clinton's pussy. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, the, he licked Clinton's pussy right there in the front of that, right in front of the White House. I did. I did. Nice. I had pussy <laughs> right in my hand, and I stroked it for a while. And I thought, bugger it. No one's ever kissed like it's pussy in public. So I said, here we go. And I gave that bloody pussy a good going over with my tongue. She's never <laughs> been the same since. Luke, where did that come from, the licking? Where did you guys get that from? Uh, Boy, uh, Butch, Butch came up with that, not me. Yeah, yeah unfortunately. Hey, unfortunately, he's, I, uh, he's uh, a sick one of the two. Of a match, I got excited, and the guy put down his head. We used to rub his head or something, and in the end, I thought, "Oh, bugger it!" And I just grabbed his head without thinking, and gave him the, the old one-two with the tongue. And from then on, we we, um, we we had so much demand for it, and it got over so much that uh, away we went. I ended up with catching septicemia. I don't know if it was from that or not, but probably was. I love it. <laughs> I love it. But, John, tell us about the Kickstarter campaign going. I know August 19th will be the big date for the Kickstarter. Yeah, so we're going to launch August 19th. The plan is to run for just over 20 days. Um, we've got two versions of the book available. So we've got uh, a standard cover where, thankfully, George Napolitano, who's very good friends with, with Butch and Luke, um, he gave us some photos that we could use, and that's our photo cover that we're using for the standard. And then we've got a limited edition uh, artist cover, which we're going to limit to about 50 copies. And that cover was actually done by an artist by the name of Richard Bonk, who's done a lot of work with Dark Horse and, and DC Comics. And uh, so that'll be a really cool one that you probably will only be able to get when you go on the Kickstarter, because I assume those are going to go pretty quickly. 
awesome. What an experience. We'll go with uh, Butch first. What do you think about writing a book and being a part of a book? I mean, there's 1960, you know, to almost present day, really. The Bushwhackers are, you know, alive and well. Uh, it's, it's hard to believe, to be honest with you, especially if you knew um, where we came from, John, because when Luke and I started wrestling in, uh, in New Zealand, we had never even seen wrestling on TV. In fact, re- uh, TV had only just come to New Zealand uh, when I started wrestling. And it was only on one channel, came on for a couple of hours a day. So we never even seen it. So to dream about things like that, uh, it didn't even enter our minds. And then as we got, um, as we traveled and got more and more into it, even then it didn't, uh, where it didn't click. But, uh, you know, we just kept on plugging away and uh, hard, hard work, especially if you came from a foreign country and a, very small country like New Zealand. When we started wrestling, there was only three million people in New Zealand. Now we we, we have the uh, large quantity of five million. <laughs> <laughs> you almost doubled your population. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did my bit. <laughs> oh, whoops, whoops. Oh, my wife's just gone out. Thank God. <laughs> Luke, what do you think about it? The, a book of the Bush. I mean, it's crazy. The history you have. It's great. What do you yeah. think about the book and, and the experience of writing the book? Yeah, well, as Butch said, two, two, two boys from down under, three million people ending up in a country which is with um, 400 million and, and being in the top tier of wrestling. You know, getting in the Hall of Fame of WWE. I know it's picked by WWE. But that's the most notorious one throughout the world. Now we're in the other, we're in the other wrestling hall of fame, which is picked by the legends and uh, older wrestlers. That's the pro wrestling hall of fame. We went in that in two twenty. But this was a big step in our life. Getting first, we worked around New Zealand. Yeah, as Butch said, we never got television to um, to uh, 67, 68. And it was only from 3 o'clock in the afternoon to 8 o'clock at night. And the main event was Top Cat. Remember that show, Top Cat? Anyhow, it's very crazy. And we'd never seen, you know, my second match. I'd been to, I'd been to a wrestling match once. I didn't know about wrestling, pro wrestling or anything when I started. I went to a wrestling match once. And the second one I went to was in Palmerston North. And that's when I got a, the, uh, a guy never arrived in the earlier show. He used to be amateurs. This is how this is how it went back then. Amateurs to the first intermission. After the first intermission, say I had a match against the guy. Butch had a match against the guy. The second match, we we set up a tag. There'll be an intermission, and then we'd come back in the tag, and then and then the main event. Now, those days, it's rounds, and the main event had to do eight eight-minute rounds, and we had to do eight six-minute rounds. And if you, did, if you didn't do six, six of those rounds, the people would boo you out of the building. And the main event had to do at least you know, eight, six, eight to 48 minutes. It's crazy. But that's what the fans expected. Anyhow, we went from that, four, four ropes, boxing rings, to American-style wrestling. New Zealand, we couldn't kick or punch at the, at the start. You have to do the British uppercut or the elbow like that. And 
then we went to Australia and Butch had a good thing. He, he laughed, I laugh when he says, you know, he went out and watched the matches before he went to have his match. And he says, well, I got a kick and punch. I, going out, I can't remember going out the first time in Australia. Jim Barnett was there with WCW. And that was our first taste of ever American wrestling. And then we end up with Jim Barnett in 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 in, um, in the states. He was with Crockett again in NWA. Said, hey, that's how the world turns. And further on, in, in after NWA, you know, our second big territory in North America was NWA, which was the which was the biggest in the U.S. at the time, which we didn't know. You know, Vince Vince was running from Boulder. Vince McMahon was was running from Baltimore to um, to, to up to uh, Portland and just under uh, Montreal. And I'm talking about Vince McMahon's senior senior, and that and we were in this territory NWA, which was on which was on um, Ted Turner Network, and we went up we weren't up with the networks at the time. And here we were, the um, Mid-Atlantic Champion Tag Team on that television, not knowing that it was going around the country. Well, it wasn't strong in the northern states at the time, but this is our life. And then, and then after that, the NWA, a few territories around the country, quite a few, and then WWF. That was the big one. And I'd been sending tapes in to WWF, since 1982, 283, to Vince Sr. and then Vince Jr. And in the end, in 88, we got the call. And um, hence, we went up to the WWF office and Butch will tell you what happened there. Yeah, I, Butch, I got to know that story because you guys are the sheep herders. You're bloody vicious like animals you know, you're having crazy matches with the fantastics and you know just blood everywhere and then all of a sudden vince sees you guys and he wants to turn you into these lovable baby faces the bushwhackers kind of shocking john yeah what happened? we were working we we're working with the rock and roll express then and nwa and they were the hottest baby face tag team and we just done an angle with the the towels um lex luger and barry windham and we get the we get the phone call yeah, and uh, yeah, as the, as the sheep herders, as you know, was all blood and guts, and we were hardcore before even hardcore was called hardcore. We we introduced the first barbed wire matches, which we had in, in Puerto Rico, all over the place, and we had New Zealand boot camp matches. Everything went. We had we had the, the club on a pole, the the, the steel makers club, and everything, and we had just wild. We had to find our way to the ring, John. That's how, how much heat we had. We'd have our match, which was a, just a bar brawl. Uh, as you said, blood and guts everywhere. Then we'd have to fight our way back to the dressing room. A lot of times in Puerto Rico, the, um, the, the other wrestlers would have to rush out from the dugouts because we mainly wrestled in baseball parks. And they would rush out in the dugouts and, and help fight, help us fight off the public and get us back to the uh, to the dugout. So that's how much heat we had. But anyway, when Vince rang up and said, oh, you know, come up for him. So Luke told me, 
and I and I was very excited. He wasn't quite so excited because he just told you we were getting a very good push from the WCW. Finally, they had realized what they had and were going to push us pretty big. But then we, um, I said, mate, we've got to go up and talk to them. So anyway, we go up there. They they they, they bring us up in the air uh, in the airline first class. They got a limo waiting for us at the airport with the chauffeur up to the thing. He's sitting in the office, Vince, we get escorted into the office. And we sit down and he's, you know, we'd never met him before. He had never met us. So he shook his hands and he said, guys, I tell you what, he says, I would love to have you guys aboard, but I'm thinking about bringing you guys in as baby faces. And we just looked at each other and went, oh, shit. And then Luke, being, an ex, being a booker and being an ex-booker, he piped up and he said, well, maybe you could bring us in as the, uh, you know, uh, uh, the uh, heels and change us, uh, do a change while we're in there, which was the normal way. And he said, no, no, I'm thinking about something different. I'm thinking about bringing you in straight away as baby faces. Well, that was my cue. So I jumped up on this bloody uh, office bench. Yeah, tell him what, yeah, sorry. So I jumped up on this office bench uh, on my hands and knees, and I went straight over to him, and I gave him a yay, and I said, Fitz, take a look at these faces. And we did the old, the old uh, sheep herd and bushwhacker look. And I said, if you think you can make money with these two faces. I'm in 100%. And then Luke piped up and said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I piped up and said, uh, You know, I know, go, well, Butch told them to go oh, no, for I'm it. Sorry. And that, and, yeah, and no, I'm said, sorry. And then he and said, we're, yeah, and Vince said, uh, look at the, you know, with these, when Butch said these two faces, Vince said, look at my top baby faces. Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, um, Hacksaw Jim Duggar, they haven't got the prettiest mugs. <laughs> and when you look at those <laughs> three, <laughs> when you look at those three, their mugs are fucking rough. <laughs> and John, we didn't even, we left his office not knowing what we were going to be. And he, and he said, if you go back to WCW and give you notice, they fire you on the spot. Said, I'll put you on the payroll, which was more than we were making by far at WCW, just to sit at home while I work things out. So only within a few days, we get this contract. And I bring up Luke and I said, Luke, did you just get something in the mail? And he said, yeah. And I said, What's this bloody bushwhackers? You said to me on the phone, they've sent the wrong contracts. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And Sorry, I, I said, forgot that. Yeah. No, no, Vince wants to own our name because he makes money more. You know, we changed yeah, our name. Yeah. Makes more money. So that's, that's awesome. That's actually our work, John. And then that's we went, went, yeah, and then we did those vignettes. He brought us, he'd bring us up uh, once a week 
and we do a couple of vignette or two and then just send us home. He had us on the payroll, earning more than we were making in WCW by far. And um, so we were, you know, we were, we were, we were loving it already. And we, he never told us how he wanted us to work. He said, it would be good if you could do something between halfway between the wild Samoans and um, what was the other ones, Luke? Uh, no, no, no. The sheep herders and the moon dogs. Oh, no, he said the wild Samoans to me. But anyway, yeah. So he wanted something in between. So, and, and then, then we started going to these bloody shows, uh, the, the big shows, and, I, and we'd grab a beer on the way down and drink a beer or doing all this stuff, you know. And then finally, I started swinging my arms and, and that was getting over real big. And Luke had a real bad shoulder. His both shoulders weren't that good, but he had a bad one and he couldn't swing that shoulder. I said, mate, you want to make some fucking money, swing that bloody shoulder. It's going to make us money. And yeah, yeah. he swung the shoulder. And I'll tell you what, that got over more than anything. Just the marching in. And, and, and I used to love our entrance and everything going in, you know. John, every agent they had, for, you know, they, they had different nights, we had different agents. Every agent wanted us to go a different way. One of the, they, you know, we're a tag team. We've got to go to the ring together. But these yeah, agents, sir. these agents had one of us coming from upstairs, walking through the crowd, coming down in the middle of the crowd from way upstairs, and the other one coming from the entrance. You know, so the people are looking here, the people are looking up there. The next agent had us doing something else, and and we we Butch and me said we've got to come and go to the ring together, and that's yeah. we in the arms. So whose idea though? Is that just you making that up, Butch? The arms? The whoa, yeah, yes. and the arms? Yes, it was. Because I used to walk because I've got bad ankles. I was born with bad ankles. And I've had bad ankles all my life. Right now they don't have any ankles. They've taken them out completely. But um because the way I walked in that I did swing my arms a little bit. My mother used to say it was a bit like a sailor, you know, on a ship. And I just exaggerated the walk till I saw it was starting to get over and even exaggerated it more. And then that was it. Then we had the march and uh, that, that march, that march really helped huge to get us over. Yeah, mate, when we were heels, John, and we're throwing out, when we're outside the ring and the TV or in the house shows, we used to swing out our arms at the fans and scream, whoa, and yay. You know what I mean? In a wild sort of tone. Yeah. And we say, hey, wow. You know, one of them is used to you at the fans as heels. And um, we, we turned it around and did it for as baby faces. Oh, man. So memorable. So when you guys are doing the vignettes, that's all WWF. I mean, that's Vince's idea. That's not you guys putting in your two cents of what you want to do for the vignettes? Yes. Yeah. He, he set the, the vignettes up. But we, he took our suggestions and how we wanted to go. One thing he did do with us, John, for the interviews, the warrior had all his interviews and he had to learn them word for word. Same as most of the guys. With us, he never gave us interviews word for word. 
because he said it doesn't matter if you guys make a mistake. Who cares? You just keep on going. And that sort of thing is what got us over. So we were never told what to say in an interview, who to talk about, whatever. He would just let us go and give us a, you've got a minute here or 45 seconds there or blah, blah. And we, we had full control of that. And it was the same with the um, those vignettes. He set up what was going, uh, the, basically the basic idea, but we just let it uh, come natural to us and we just walked straight through it without really any prep whatsoever. We were like, John, we were lucky at this time because at this moment, Crocodile Dundee 2 had come out. So everybody was, yes. you know, day one and two were, were so strong. Well, this we were doing that sort of character as Crocodile D, Crocodile D was doing. Love it. That's yeah, so Crocodile true. That was the biggest, that was the biggest at the time. Crocodile Dundee, we didn't know this, but at the time Crocodile Dundee was the biggest overseas film top box office of all times throughout the states but we didn't know that at the time so that helped us as well so true so if it's mainstream it, it can get over in wrestling yeah yeah that's right and it just and and the people without a doubt john went from making us possibly the most hated tag team in the country because we were foreigners which made it you know a little easier for us we had the new zealand flag we rubbish the American flag. We rubbish the American men, cookable pencil necks. And, so it was quite easy for us as far as to get, to get heat, you know. Uh, but um, as the baby faces, they, they loved us. They just turned on a dime. They were, we went from hate to love. It seemed to be like overnight. Even the guys, even the other wrestlers couldn't believe how fast the people bought into what we were doing. You know, Luke, it, was, Luke. It, was, it was the right time. It was the right place. We were experienced enough to know how to carry it and to do it. If they had given us that to do when we first started, when we were in our 20s, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have been over to present it as well as we did. But because we had been through everything, don't forget we had worked in state prisons, we had worked in strip clubs, we had worked in over 60 uh, different countries around the world, we had worked for the American Armed Forces all over the world. We were so experienced at entertainment and entertaining people that we saw this was our big opportunity and we took it by the scruff of the neck and we just went with it. And that's why in this book, it all comes out in this book of how we did it, what we did, and dozens and dozens of our crazy experiences, both in the bushwhacker ranks and in the sheep herder ranks. Some things is very, very hard to believe, but it's true. It's true. And there, unfortunately, there's even stuff that we wanted to put in, but because guys 
are alive and have wives and families, we respected that. As I got gotcha. you. Yes. Yeah. Luke, what As is the Bushwhackers' have. name? Like I know we were, you were saying before, like Vince just gave you the name, but are you were you Luke? Were you okay with the name? Like, where does that even come from? Like that he just Bush made that up, Bushwhackers. The Bushwhacker is like a um, Robin Hood, mate. A Robin Hood steals from the rich and gives to the poor. A, a Bushwhacker Apparently. is an Australian name for a person who lives in the bush, robs people, and you know, and robs the rich. Actually, John, it was more. As Luke just said, it was much more of an Australian saying, but the actual guy who apparently came up with the name was Tony Correa. It was Tony that said to Vince, Bushwhackers. And as soon as Vince heard that, and then we had already had the Luke and Butch. In fact, we had the we had um, Luke Williams and Butch Miller. So all that Vince did, he cut out the surnames and just said Luke and Butch, the Bushwhackers. And we, did, we, we didn't care what we were called, John. You could have called us the Dancing Daisies if you had a wanted to, because we would have taken that and made it too, because we were determined this was our big shot. This was yeah. our top of the mountain go. We'd struggled all those years and gone through everything just to get to this point and we weren't going to slide down that mountain before we reached the top. So that's why the march, and we kept marching, and we marched right up the very top. And Vince used to always, even if we were already um, against someone that wasn't uh, a main event or anything, he would always put us on last at the big matches, Madison Square Gardens, anywhere, because he would put us on last and send the people home happy. We called it the happy pattern. So we would, even if like Hulk Hogan had been the main event and someone was going to do a screw on uh, Hulk, they would have that match and the people would be really down in the dumps and he didn't want to send the people home like that. So next minute, our music would play and, and out comes us swinging the arms. The people forgot about what Hulk and that had done. They start swinging their arms and everything. Now they're in the happy pattern. We entertain them for 20 minutes or so and then get our hand raised. They go home, all marching down on the Bronx and all through the New York, doing the bushwhackers, going, whoa, yay, and thinking they'd just seen the best show in their life. So Vince was very cunning there too. Vince ran... Those days, John, Vince ran the main event before intermission. Yeah. Did you hear that, John? Yep. So Hogan, he's going to be on before intermission, then whatever yeah. else is going and to be, you, you guys should be the main event. All the main events were run before intermission. Yeah, and that's why that's why um, he, put, he put something on to open up after halftime. And then, you know, and they knew that we were still to come. So they didn't, otherwise they would have walked out if there had been nothing on that they wanted to see. But, you know, as far as we knew, hardly anyone ever left, ever. It was always packed when we went out there. And as I said, and then, um, and then we, we would give them what they wanted. We gave them that happy pattern. Only trouble was, we'd have to get to the shows the same time as everybody else. 
an hour before the start of the shows. So it was an eight o'clock show. Luke and I would have to be there by seven, like everybody. And we didn't get to leave the show a lot of times until after midnight. Time we got back to the hotel, we're looking for something to eat. We're definitely looking for something to quench at first. So you wouldn't get to bed till three or four. You go to bed, your adrenaline's still pumping, especially ours were. And then we have a five or six o'clock wake up call to get up, to get ready, to drop our rental car off at the airport, to catch one or two planes and do it all over again and fit the gym in and fit everything else in. That was, winter, that was the winter schedule, mate. In the winter, he had everyone getting early morning planes in case of a can the snowed in, you could get a later plane. So in the winter, the planes were always around 6 o'clock, 6.30. What did you butch? What did you think about Vince? What do you think about Vince McMahon? Is he a genius? I mean, obviously, we know what's going on today. He's getting in a little bit of trouble. But what do you think about Vince McMahon? I think he's a genius. And, and, and as far as I'm concerned, and Luke, I think, he, he, he treated us great, and he treated anybody great who was willing to work hard because he was one of the hardest workers you've ever seen. He did work. He never stopped. His whole family were hard workers. And so if you worked hard for Vince, he looked after you. And he, and he you know, and a lot of guys, especially in the wrestling business or in any showbiz, when, when it was their time to have to pack up and leave, they didn't like it because they thought they were there forever. But you can't do that with talent. You can't keep them forever. Otherwise, the whole thing would become boring. You've got to keep changing your talent. I think that's at the moment... The, at that's, the moment why the, there, that's why the ratings are like that today. Look at yeah. Brock Lesnar came back in the match last week or two weeks ago against Roman Reigns. They started that five or six years ago. They've got to get fresh talent up there. You know what I mean? Some new faces. And I'm just doing it. Anyhow, getting back to Vince McMahon, there would be no wrestling today if it wasn't for Vince McMahon, mate. You know, no, no, no. he kept the fucking business alive all around the world. I agree. Yes, and, he's got and, to and be a The TV was going into bloody near 200 countries when we were on it. So everybody knew who you were, no matter which country you went in. They knew you straight away. You know, it was just, it was, you, 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 you certainly, they knew from the television, the coverage was so great in all those different countries I went into that it was, it was an unreal, an unreal experience. Only trouble is your own life uh, didn't become your own life anymore. You couldn't even take your wife out to eat. Otherwise, you'd, you'd have people surrounding you at the table, lined up for autographs, people with cigarettes in their mouth bending over your food, saying, sign this, sign this. And, of course, us being the baby faces, if you didn't sign it, then, oh, bugger that guy. Jesus, he signed his, but he didn't sign mine. You know, so we had that to have to do. Poor Hulk. Poor Hulk. Out of his hotel room. He was stuck in his hotel room because if he came down to the bar, he couldn't even have time to have a drink 
because he'd have a lineup out to the street. Yeah. That's how much it was up. Yeah. It feels like, you know, that era of wrestling, the guys are larger than life. I mean, you guys are larger than life, but Hogan, I always call it the Hogan era. Everyone says, you know, the golden era of the WWF is that. I call it the Hogan era because he's at the top of the mountain. You know, he's making everything possible. Yes, obviously with Vince's backing and with you guys, and, you know, and, and Andre and Macho and all these other great wrestlers. But what do you think about, like, Hogan and the pressure on him? Because he's the top guy. I mean, everybody knows who he is. I mean, everybody's grandmother yeah. knows who everybody's, you know, everybody he, knows Hulk. Every, he does. Everybody. Signings. I live on the beach. I live near him. And then he still does signings. And, that, and it's all sold out online before. You know, that he goes to the store to do them. You know, it's crazy. The lines for him are crazy. Still unclear what a beach. I was just down there at the beach job. Sold out. Yeah. 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 Now, now, mate, I'm jumping jumping back a few years. When we were in W, it wasn't WCW. It was NWA then. They turned to WCW the year we left. Anyhow. When you were that company, you were a wrestler. When you changed to WWF, you became a celebrity. That's a big exactly. difference. Yeah, and you that's were, the difference. Get you out in front of all walks of life, toy companies, uh, sportsmen of the year dinners, other dinners for other celebrity, different parties he'd put you in. And, you know, because he wanted to draw different audiences into our business. And Butch and me were set to a lot of those things to do because we were were two guys that stood out with our accent. We weren't Americans. (laughs) And that was it. We had had professional baseball. NWA and WWF. We had professional baseball teams and professional um, uh, football teams there in the States marching out to the field or marching out to the pitch just the same as we all did because they all loved us as well i mean i i meet all blacks here today who's the, the top of our thing in new zealand they're the people that, that everybody looks up to the most and i see a couple at the gym now and again and i'm uh, someone will say to them oh do you want to meet the bushwhack they're much more excited to meet me here i am at 77 an old man with all my injuries and they want to meet me more than i want to meet them even though i you know love meeting them because they grew up watching us they marched all around their school around their house around their area as bushwhackers they all just loved it you know they grew up watching it you know when we grew up we didn't have that of course as i said because we didn't have TV. So we we not only got over uh, very big uh, in the States and around the rest of the world, it, it, it really took this country by storm as well, because we were local. We were two local boys and finally made it. And, and there was even people saying, that, and this is a fact, they were talking about knighthoods and all that in those days, because there was more people drawn into knowing where New Zealand was because well, that's with the New Zealand flag and the coverage that we were getting with Vince on his TVs around the world. 
than what, what they were from these people who were inventing great things and stuff, which to me was actually quite embarrassing. Man, you guys, you guys are so over. Like Hogan, obviously, he's at another level. He's so popular, but you guys, the popularity of the Bushwhackers is crazy. As soon as that music hits, everybody knows it, and you know the I, crowds would go nuts for you guys. Yeah, yeah, we were very lucky to be at the right time and to have it uh, and to have it happen. And also, too, John, we did work hard. We didn't just swing our arms or anything else. When we were in the ring, we did give it. Uh, our own as, as much as we could because as you can imagine uh, many many matches either one of us or both of us would be pretty injured pretty bad there was uh, there was tons of times when we'd have a corset that held our hips in and one night Luke would have to wear it and the next night we'd toss up who was going to wear it because both our hips were out and we'd have to share this thing this corset to hold us in just to get out there and perform. People don't understand that. Many times, us and different wrestlers would get out uh, out that curtain after their match and just collapse on the concrete and have to be helped into the dressing room or into their cars or anything. People don't see that, but it's true. And that's what happens many, many, many times. Yeah. So it's Luke. not all, you know, it's not all licking match and, and having fun. You, um, you got to mix it all. But uh, I, I'm very proud of, uh, of what Luke and I have achieved. I couldn't have had a better tag partner because he was closer to me than a brother that I never had. And um, we did have our differences. And we never got into any age uh, out of the two of us, Luke was a little bit more laid back. I was the one that would get He knew when to take no notice. I knew no when to take We were sleeping in, uh, in the same room, traveling in the same car, and flying in the same place. We were seeing more of each other by far than what we were our own wives and families. So, yeah. you know, we were on the suitcase. So we were very lucky to, to get on as good as we got and still uh, as, as just as tight now as we were then. Anyhow, this book, John, is a, it's not all wrestling. It's about a lot of the back, a lot of the uh, behind the scenes. It's a story about two guys going through, just give me a little hint. Going through in Malaya and Asia before it was Malaysia. It was Malaya and Asia, and when they were having the civil war and that, and it was a curfew on the roads. Here's two guys driving up with when the curfew was at five o'clock. We were driving up through that at seven o'clock, and you could hear the guns in the background. Now on the side of the road, the elephants were working, the sugar cane, you know. The bullocks would were the bullocks, the guy standing on the board in the back with the horns, digging up the ground. There's no machinery. This is in the sixties. In the third world countries. That's where we started out. Uh, going up and that and then different there's, it's a lot of stories about different times in South America, Panama Canal, and then getting getting pulled over by the gorillas going through going from um 
going from uh, Panama to Venezuela, driving. It was a TV company. The TV van was in the middle, you know, with all the equipment. And that, and uh, we were the two two buses, the boys in the front and the back, and all the, we were stopped, and all these people came on the, and then I thought it was the the uh, army. It was fucking guerrillas holding us up, and that the television company paid them off, and we and we moved on through shit like this. I love it. It's such a stories. I'm just giving you a tip, little things. Different things in a Panama, different things that have happened. I can't get right into it, but it's a bit of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> I love it. Butch, I wanted, I wanted to ask you, Butch, about the Rougeau brothers, just because you guys were married to them for for a while. I mean, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam. Yeah, we're, we're, I was working brother. with the fabulous Rougeau brothers. I was with one day. I was with one this weekend. Oh, where? In North Carolina, the gathering. It was a big convention, and that. Sorry, it was Butch, but I, I'm not Raymond Jock. Jock Rougeau was there, and that. And uh, Raymond and Jock don't talk. It's funny now that they haven't talked for years. And then, and um, yeah, Jock was at the Rougeau, and and hey, Butch, it doesn't matter. He was there too. It doesn't matter exactly. He came, he came. He came up to me and he said, "You know, the guy said it doesn't matter." <laughs> the Minnesota guy, the Minnesota guy. Yeah. He he came up to me. He said, "Don't forget to say to Butch, it doesn't matter." <laughs> but they were they were a little hard to work with John because uh, Raymond, he was the uh, the one that called the shots. And Jock was the younger brother, full of piss and vinegar. And if you upset Jock, then he would uh, he, he wouldn't cooperate really well. He would do his stuff to get him over, but he didn't really want to go with the flow or go with the match. Raymond had to keep him under control, really. And you said to me, what they were they like to work with? They were. Yeah really that easy but raymond made it easier if you understand yes i fully agree with butch there yeah luke what happened with uh, dynamite kid and and jock with dynamite kid and jock rougeau what what's the story what what really happened between those that's that's the opening to get us in there we weren't there when they when they when the when the British Bulldogs were fired, they were looking for someone different to come in, and that's when me and Butch were hired. They needed because, that babyface team. Yeah, yeah, because John, because of Jock's attitude, because he was young and a little bit big-headed, in fact, quite big-headed to be honest with you. And the British Bulldogs, everything was a joke. And if you said something out of tune that they didn't like, they would rip you to hell. They'd lace your drinks and shit in your boots and do everything. And they would, and Jock rubbed them up the wrong way. So they were the wrong people to, to, to rile up. And that's where it all started. And we weren't there when it finished, but again, only 
All that does is escalate. One something will do something to someone. Like the, in the old days, people not calling about WWE, guys would go into the dressing room and cut a leg, uh, cut a leg off a pair of pants of somebody in the ring off their best suit that they wore to the wrestling, right? So then they'd come out, you know, they might have been going out with their wife. and then So then the next time, the, whoever had their pants leg done, they would do something and nail the guy's shoes down to the bench in the dressing room and bend a big four-inch nail underneath so they couldn't get the shoes off the bench. And then someone else would do some other thing and cut the whole fly out of the guy's, you know, beautiful suit. And it went on and on till it you did right so much. Yeah. New generation someone... Sorry, Butch. There's a new generation... Yeah would never be able to take these ribs. No. And again, it escalated so much that at one stage, a guy nearly got his head blown off with a fucking shotgun. That's how bad it was. Instead of the guy shooting the guy and knocking his head off, he blew his bloody briefcase up right there in the dressing room. <laughs> and you'll find that in the book that's, too. That's how it is. <laughs> That, that is great. The John Crosby there, the, the number one book. author, going to be the number one author in the country. John, hey, we hope so. Definitely. We hope so. John, without, please tell me. Without gonna... John, we wouldn't have been able to do this. That's for sure. Looks There's like no failed out. But it, as you can tell, yeah, this this book that we've worked on, we actually worked on it for almost two years. Um, oh. Uh, uh, Butch used to call them our three ways. So every Wednesday night, uh, we'd go on, we'd go online like this for about two or three hours and just recollect their careers from, you know, their childhoods all the way through their time as the New Zealand Kiwis, the, the sheep herders, the bushwhackers, all the way up to the Hall of Fame. I mean, stories, you know, from their families, from the ribs to plane flights to running guys leapfrogging vehicles drunk at night. I mean, some of the funniest stories, some of the craziest stories, some of the most violent stories you can imagine um, because the Bushwreckers, uh, sheep herders really did it all. I mean, from, from hardcore wrestling to fun comedy wrestling, mm -hmm. they really, you know, kept covered every genre you can imagine. Uh, and at the top of the sport, I mean, it, and some of the biggest, biggest uh, followings that you can imagine in wrestling too. Uh, and, and it's all it's all in this book. I mean, some really, really fun, uh, fun stories. Uh, and, and I think people are really going to love it. I just wanted to mention this because it's awesome that you guys are in the Hall of Fame. I almost feel like it was overdue. But Butch, what do you think about being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame? Oh, it was it was incredible. Because it was it was such an honor, uh, to be honest, because it was nothing that really entered our mind. Uh, when we first started uh, wrestling together. And it was very good, too, because I uh, met my new wife, Helen, uh, out here in, in New Zealand. And I came back in uh, 2004. And I met her here, and she had only heard stories about uh, uh, me and her, her, her sons and that. Used to watch the Bushwaggers and love them. But she wasn't a wrestling fan. She had nothing to do with wrestling, didn't know anything. Well, 
Vince flew her over with me, uh, business class all the way, uh, you know, limos, beautiful hotel and everything. She got to come to the Hall of Fame. She got to go to WrestleMania there in that brand new stadium uh, uh, there in California. And, um, and so she got to feel um, what, that, what we did all those years and got a little bit of a handle on it. Whereas without that, she wouldn't have uh, felt it. So it was great in that way as well. So it was a personal honor for me and for Luke, but for me and my family and daughters uh, who went through the whole thing with me and it's uh, there in the book. But also it was good that now she knew um, basically what her new husband um, had done and been through and, um, and got to understand more about me and everything else. And it worked out fantastic. It worked out very good indeed. So, uh, you know, I was so grateful to Vince uh, for that. And I always will be. Luke, what do you think about the Hall of Fame? Long overdue for me, but what did you think about being inducted? The first thing I said to them, it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> and they rang me up and told us, I said, it's about time. <laughs> and then, no, that's the top of the mountain, mate. You make it, you know, yeah. WWF, and then because, you know, the um, WWF is the main one. It's the publicity with the, the, the Hall of Fame you get, and that, and of course, you kept on with you got legend contracts still. You kept on the, the uh, Peacock television, and anyone can go and watch our matches on Peacock any time of the day, you know, on the network, and that, and we're in the, we're in the club, uh, hall. We're in the legends there and the Hall of Famers. And, uh, so it's it's great. We're, we're, hey, we're so we're still seen around the world. Butch. Hey, I have to leave. Yeah, John, I have oh. to leave, John, because I got uh, business to do. All right. No problem. Thank you, Luke. Appreciate it. Yeah, I will just finish up with, uh, with John and Butch, but thank you, Luke. Anyhow, yeah, we would. We, we'll have to, 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 we'll have uh, well, unfortunately, unfortunately, John, they're going to know us more for our marching and our licking and our eating of sardines <laughs> and uh, those sort of things than what they were, uh, they are our wrestling ability. But I will say one thing. I think they will really, they'll always remember bringing us into their lounge or bedroom, or hall, or wherever they watch us. And I think they'll always remember how we always made them feel. We made them laugh. We made them forget about their problems. We made them uh, just enjoy themselves, crying with laughter and tears. And they, they became like a family. 
and we 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 became like part of their family and it's uh unbelievable like i just went to the gym this morning here in uh in new zealand and a guy came up to me today and he said are you and I, when i said yes he was about 45 this guy he started hugging me he shook my hand so much my bloody guy got a bigger pump off his handshake than i did from the weights and <laughs> just like that out of the blue even looking like i do now and as old as i am that memory will never go away from the people that took us into their their homes and their hearts and i'm forever grateful for that john forever grateful that is so true because 32 years ago i was at a show at the meadowlands and like i said i was second row these women were first row and i could still vividly remember it was me my dad my brother and my dad's friend we all went you know he's yelling at the heels my dad's friend and stuff but when you guys came out and licked those women i can literally go back into 1990 32 years ago and i remember it i mean the crowd erupted for you guys it was yeah. awesome yeah it was no very much so John, give us one last big push for the book and, and the Kickstarter and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. So as you can tell, listening to these guys talk, this is going to be an amazing book. It really, for people who maybe grew up fans of the Bushwhackers, who didn't know their earlier stuff, it's really going to give you some history about who these guys really were and, and what you know trendsetters they really were in professional wrestling. They were really leaders in the industry. And you know beyond even... The hardcore wrestling, these were guys that could really work on the mat, too. Uh, once you get into it and realize the English-style wrestling that they did before they even became the Sheep Herder. So it's really an interesting story, uh, some great tales. Again, it'll become available on Kickstarter on uh, the 19th of August. You can now go, if you got a Kickstarter account, you can actually go on a Kickstarter and follow the campaign. And I do urge you to do that because the more followers, the higher up in the algorithm it'll put us with Kickstarter. Uh, but you can get on early. You'll get an alert when we launch. You'll have a shot at getting some of those 50 limited edition copies. There's also some autographed copies, uh, which is a really unique uh, opportunity for some fans because, as you know, Butch doesn't really get to the States that much. So, uh, And Luke doesn't get to New Zealand that much. So for fans in New Zealand who want to get both Luke and Butch's autograph, it's a great opportunity. And again, in the United States, uh, for fans who want to be able to get Butch's autograph with Luke, it's a really it could be a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I urge you to do that. There'll also be some uh, Luke has agreed to do some limited uh, personalized video shout outs for fans. So you can go on and grab some of those. Uh, so, again, I urge you to check it out. Um, you can go on Luke's page on Facebook. He's posted a link so you can follow the campaign. You can also find it on my my page on Facebook or you can just go into Kickstarter and type in the Bushwhackers blood, sweat and cheers and it should pop right up for you. And Butch, thank you again for coming. It's just amazing to me that you guys go from wrestling the Fantastics, having five star matches the Fantastics, having absolute brawls, then as the Sheep Herders, and then come to the WWF and we're the Bushwhackers, and just light up the arena. And you know what I mean? Complete opposite ends of the spectrum, and literally have everybody going wacky and crazy. Whoa, yeah! And the arms and the lick, just uh, it still amazes me to this day because it's like, wow, this is the same team. Oh my god, it's polar <laughs> opposites. Exactly. And it was easier on everybody. Anyway, John, thank you very much for having us here with you. Thank you, Butch. And thank you, John. I appreciate well, all the time you. today. Thank and you, Butch, Butch, always good to see you. You too, John. You're looking great, mate. You're hey, I know. That's what my wife says. You look good, you too. You look more like a bushwhacker every day. 
<laughs> is that good? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Hey, I think it's a good thing. Yay! See you, guys. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.